1: Welcome, everybody. It's Marianne Camarado here. We're so glad that you've tuned in today. Yeah, you've tuned in to Ann live. If it's your first time, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. You are in the right place in either scenario. We are committed to helping you attract and create healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationships. Everything is about relationship, really. So that sort of means everything under the sun. But we are relational creatures, and today we're going to be talking with Donald Altman about his new book, Clearing Emotional Clutter, our relationship with our emotional life and and how that can block us from really living uh, and thriving uh, in in terms of uh, Yeah, uh, the the repertoire we have, the skill set we have for navigating uh, emotions, the realm of emotions. So stay tuned for that this hour. Before we uh, introduce our guests, let's do what I love to do at the top of every hour. Um, It's part of my practice. I love sharing it with you. I, I think cultivating practice in general is a great idea regardless. So if you've already got a practice and this augments it, great. If you don't, try it on. Uh, or uh, let it deepen your practice. So the, the first place that we like to start here at the top of the hour is just finding your breath, noticing where it is in your body. Really simple. Just turning your awareness to your breath. It might be in your chest. It might be in your belly. Nothing to do about it. Just notice when you're ready, you might want to deepen your breath if it feels good, if it supports you in some way, or just keep watching. Well, there's somebody out there who might be ready for taking an audible breath. That's really pushing it, listening to the sound of yourself, right? I notice when I'm in a yoga class and the teacher says that, you almost hear no one. <laughs> like we're, we're frightened of our sounds, but for those of you out there who, who like that, go ahead and, and make a an audible breath for yourself. Just noticing for another moment your breath, and maybe you might recognize your nervous system calming down. My shoulders just immediately drop from my earlobe when I sort of stop. But whatever's happening for you, just notice. And uh, take a look around, because what we do next is gently look for a portal of gratitude. Cultivating gratitude is not always easy. I've been saying this for several years now. It's, it is not easy. It's not a cliché. It's, it's a point of view. It's an attitude. It's a choice. And finding that portal, and I know so many of you have written in and said, Oh, my God, when I can get grateful, it just changes everything. But getting there is not easy, so I generally invite you to think about someone or a group of people that have helped you do what you're doing right now. It's generally a good bridge or portal. Who has helped make it possible for you to do what you're doing right now? Real simple things like the clothes you're wearing, you know, what electronic device are you using or devices, I I always get the visual of driving through the Central Valley in California and watching the tens of hundreds of thousands of people that it takes to bring my food just to the next place, picking it, cleaning it, getting it packaged, then shipping it, trucking it to the next place and so on. So, you know, it's, it's beautiful when we can just expand, turn our attention, We're going to talk about that today. How do we center, turn our attention, cultivate a practice of awareness? So Our guest today is a pro at it, and he's going to help us deal with a lot of issues that we feel plagued by quite often, and we're going to talk about those this hour. For now, as you continue down your list of gratitude, finding yourself in that scenario, changing that Perspective. You might already be there, but if you're not, keep trying. We're going to go down our list, starting with the honorary sponsor we have here at uh, Marion Live, the OneWorldChildren'sFund.org, if you're online. Uh, they are busy uniting people to improve the lives of children affected by poverty. We're so grateful to have them be a part of this program. At the national level, we are sponsored by the National Action Organization committed to changing the way our culture values each other. N A C T I O N dot org for more information. This program in particular is um, one of their outreach programs. 100% of the proceeds goes to programming just like this. And at the local level, because you know I love books, for a decade now I've been bringing you uh, human potential leaders from around the world who've written taking care to devote their lives to uh, articulate in a coherent way such complex concepts so we can live better lives uh, i love bookstores uh, the open secret bookstore in san rafael california they've got the latest in meditation and revelation they're kind of like a cult bookstore in a sense like so many people know about them they, and they've got uh, events practically every night there as well check them out online for more information so we're sending our gratitude to those folks And now we're going to start turning our attention yet again. This is like life, isn't it? Life is happening now. Here's something in our field of awareness. Oh, here's something else. Maybe there's five things at once. Just noticing this transition as I tell you a little bit about our guest today, Donald Altman. He's written a a book for us, Clearing Emotional Clutter, Right, Mindfulness Practices for Letting Go of What's Blocking Your Fulfillment and Transformation. Uh, Donald Altman is a psychotherapist, former Buddhist monk, and an award-winning author. In 2015, his book, The Mindfulness Toolbox, won two National Ben Franklin Publishing Gold Awards as the best book in psychology and body-mind-spirit categories. He's known as America's mindfulness coach and travels around the United States and internationally teaching mindful living as a way to bring peace, calm, and joy into daily life. And he's going to help us do that right here, right now on Marianne Live. Welcome to the program, Donald. We're so glad you're here.
2: Oh, hi, Marianne. It's a pleasure to be here. And I really resonated with what you were talking about, about the importance of developing a practice and, and uh, cultivating gratitude every day. It's very powerful. It can transform your life
1: it can and yeah. and do you agree that it's not easy to get there some of us feel such shame about that but yeah it's it's not easy to get there sometimes
2: yeah and sometimes it's just because we're the brain is wired for what's called a negativity bias we're wired to look for things that are dangerous or potentially threatening as a survival mechanism. And it's a lot harder to actually rewire the brain for positivity, and we have to practice. (laughs) Yeah, and
1: that's what you're going to help us do today, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I'll tell you right off the cuff, I was driving into my studio, and I saw someone on someone's property I hadn't seen before, and there it was, the paranoid thought. Who's that person? What are they doing? Uh, you know uh, these These are very real thoughts, and you're going to help us take a look at not only current thoughts but uh, baggage, accumulated mythology, <laughs> accumulated stories, narratives that just stay with us and they 're so familiar and how how do, we, how do we meet those and transition? Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write clearing emotional clutter for us
2: well. Um Yeah, I've been on the path of mindfulness for many, many years. I've spent, um, I actually ordained in a monastery, Theravada, Buddhist monastery, and had a wonderful teacher. His name was Uthilananda, and he was from Burma, and he was a well-known, he came to this country in the late 70s, was a well-known teaching monk. And um, I met him, Uh, a friend said, there's a monk I think you should meet. And I had done a lot of my own meditations, but I met this man, and I had never before felt such a sense of palpable compassion and availability from another human being. Mm. And so I, I started to wonder, how does somebody become like that? I mean, it, you know, somehow the brain must get rewired <laughs> at a very fundamental level. And so um, it was at a point in my life when um, I was going through a difficult time, and, and and I think those difficult times are important for us. We need to utilized those in our lives and um and I was able to ordain at that time as a monk knowing that he would be the head of the monastery and uh it, it was a wonderful experience uh, an opportunity for me to start to learn how to uh look at the nature of our thoughts not to necessarily identify with those thoughts and grab onto them i mean uh, i like to ask people all the time i do workshops uh around the world and um, across the U.S., and I like to ask people, um, have you counted the number of thoughts you had this morning? (laughs) And the fact is that uh, scientists have said we can have a range of thoughts from about 25 thoughts per second, that sounds like a lot, to 125 thoughts per second. The Buddha thought we could have 3,000 thought moments per second. Mm. Uh, That's powerful. And and I figured even if you take the low range of that, 25 thoughts per second, that's about 75,000 thoughts in the course of a day. But how many of those thoughts tell you something really profound about who you are? Right. (laughs) Right? How many are even uh, close to being accurate? Most of them are not factual. And yet, uh, because they come from within our own mind, we give them an extra weight. We give them extra importance. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that they... Um, the mind is just creating thoughts all the time, and in fact, if you're not, uh, in fact, they put people in an MRI. This is a recent experiment, uh, and I and I include a lot of research in the Clearing Emotional Clutter book uh, because I think it's uh, you know, uh, as mystics have always known these kinds of things, but now we're actually seeing that it's. Uh, there's evidence behind well,
1: that. And isn't that funny? You know, we we're funny creatures. Now we can oh, see yeah. it; it must be true. Like it wasn't right. true for you know for, uh, for
2: the billion, yeah, years, exactly, right. or
1: eight thousand, and some other cultures. You know, oh, it's yeah. hilarious. But I love it. That's just It is what it is, right? It yeah. yeah.
2: And, and and so what they found was that uh, if uh, uh, if you uh, if your mind is at rest, or you're not really focused on doing something. You will go into self-referential thinking and into different emotional states will just pass by your mind randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but these can affect us profoundly and and, and so we need to start to, uh, you know, learn how to step back.
3: Yeah.
2: What I call uh, create a constructively distance from those so that they don't impact us so negatively.
1: Beautiful. So you thought, oh my gosh, we need a skill set for doing this, which is right. what you, you know, you saw the, the, the tendency of the average person uh, to be swept away by, you know, current situations and past thoughts, and so you put this book together for us so we can navigate, uh, you know, for example, that this morning when I saw that person, I got on the text, I texted my neighbor, I'm like, hey, is everything okay? Like, you know, no. she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, there's somebody I haven't seen before, is that really real? And she's like, "Hey, thanks for having my back." But you know, that could have gone into an obsessive thought. That could have gone into, yeah. you know, attracting a whole bunch of other negative thoughts that I had. And I, you know, and we, you know, we really can get carried away. And that's just one instance in my right. deck. <laughs> right? right? And I'm a person with a pretty big tool belt I'd like to think, but you know, we're we're human. We get these random thoughts firing oh, okay. in so so take us now through the the beginning of the book really introduces something that you call um <clears throat> pairing up in a sense. You know, the tools the, the tools that we actually need to cultivate. And then the second part of the book takes us through the different terrain, the territory that we can use those tools in as it relates to emotional clutter.
2: So uh, let, let's tearing, talk about it. up yeah. is important, uh, and, and I have it in the front of the book. And I, I've been teaching uh, mindfulness for many, many years, and so I began to see how uh, 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 mindfulness can help us overcome and start to understand the roots of suffering. And um, so the pair-up is really what are the tools that you learn in this book. They're the fundamental uh, ideas and concepts here. So the, the P is present moment participation. It goes back to the idea that, uh, you know, if you go to a carnival and, you, and, and, uh, you know, on the back of those little tickets they, they give you, it says you must be present to win.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's so you right. Must be <laughs> uh,
2: so it's very important to be present. It, to participate in life, to enjoy it. If you're off somewhere else in your mind, you can't be here. Like the mm. conversation we're having, uh, you know, to really be present with somebody in a conversation is really a gift of that mm. moment. But you have to be there, be present to participate. The a is attuned acceptance, and um, and uh, attuning I means just really. A, um, being uh, present with where any, anybody is at in this moment, but accepting accepting the conditions of your life right now um, and not necessarily having to compare them to other people, yeah. right? It's the comparison. The expectation things should be different that make us unhappy, but accepting that no matter where I am, that's a good place to start. And um, I love a quote from uh, Pema Chodron, who's a, a Buddhist nun, and, it's, and I'm going to paraphrase her. She said, you know, you could be the most a depressed person in the world, the most addicted person in the world, the most miserable person in the world, that's the best place to start. Mm. <laughs> right? Not trying to uh escape mm. or avoid the conditions of our life or stick your head in the sand pretend it doesn't exist, but to really confront and face uh, where you're at. And and that's a powerful place from which to begin any journey. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Huh? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, go
1: ahead. No, no, I was just going to say um you know, so many of us are in resistance, there are all these, uh, there's so much information. I was even thinking that when I was looking at your book, there's so much information out there and how do we sort through, how do we sift through and find the tools that work for us. And That's what I love about mindfulness practice and, and you're helping us take this, this 8,000 year old tradition essentially and breaking it down uh, and making it accessible. I love that. I love awesome. that this, this pairing up really helps us do that. So yeah. there's a couple more tools in there
2: um, that we. So, yeah, and I is intentionality. On, yeah. So this is an acronym pair up. The I stands for intentionality, which is really like I think there's a steering wheel on your car. If you're going off into a ditch and you're you're getting you're kind of getting off the path off the road, yeah. intentionality helps us drive back on. So it can help mm-hmm. guide us. And this is our uh, values, our ethics. Uh, you know what's really important to us. And i um, yeah you know, as a psychotherapist I work with people who kind of lost their way but by getting them back into intentionality and creating uh, a statement of uh, almost like a mission statement for their relationship or their parenting or whatever it is helps them get back on the road
3: yeah.
2: so intentionality is key our uh, stands for reflection we have the ability to pause from all those distractions all that technology to just pause like like you did you're talking about that person who you saw there but um, and you made uh, uh, you made the call, and everything, but you're also able to step back then and just reflect. And uh, that's one of the abilities of this uh, part of the brain, right behind the eyebrow ridge here, which I talk about in the book. It's very much I call it the mindfulness module. <laughs> Any, anytime you're practicing these skills, you are actually turning on your mindfulness module of the brain and re, and wiring it up, uh, you know, preparing it to operate more fluidly and more frequently. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's reflection. The you is understanding suffering, and um, it's easy to get angry or get uh, upset with other people. But we can start to understand that even that most difficult person in your life has suffered, and that's something that all of us as uh, humans we we share this deep bond of uh, loss that occurs whether we like it or not. We're going to age. We're going to you know we're going to lose our health at some point or have health problems and. Uh, We're going to experience sorrow and loss and grief. So uh, rather than see others as so uh, dissimilar at a very deep level, we're very similar. So we start to look at that person who may have caused us a problem and start to understand, well, maybe I could see them in a fresh way. Maybe I could see that uh, they're, they're suffering. Mm -hmm. And it's not to to excuse abuse, of course, but to just give you a fresh perspective. Right.
1: Beautiful. So we've we've spelled out the tools, and by the way, if you're just joining us, Donald Altman is with us on Marian Live. He's written another book for us, Clearing Emotional Clutter. Donald has uh, just spelled out the tools uh, that will help us navigate um, the terrain of our thinking minds, uh, and the emotions that follow. That's what we're going to focus on today. Because, As you were saying in the earlier part of the show, I, I can remember when I was in my 30s adding up, doing this very math randomly. Like, How many negative thoughts? I noticed I was talking to myself a particular way. I didn't like it. So I started adding up all the thoughts and and feeling the force of that. If I'm telling myself something negative, it makes me feel bad about myself. So like how to steer out of that. A lot of people have probably noticed that in in some way, shape, or form. So what you're gonna help us do today is take that reflective piece as it relates to the mind, the thoughts that pop in our head that have to do with emotional terrain, and I'm gonna ask you to talk about what emotional clutter actually is, and then build some new neural pathways so we have other choices. So let's talk about that emotional clutter. We're going into the break here, so we'll get started, but then we'll pick it back up when we get back after the break. So let's start uh, just okay, in context. What,
2: yeah, emotional clutter. So we all know what physical clutter is. If you've uh, uh, seen that show, um, trying to think of that, that TV show where hoarding or hoarders, mm-hmm. you can all see physical clutter, but uh, mental or emotional clutter is invisible. We don't often know it's even there, even though it's impacting us. And so, uh, I can just want to share a little story with you about a woman who had this kind of clutter and wasn't even aware of it. So, a patient who came in to see me, she was in her 60s, and one of the first things she said, um, "You know, my mother she abused me, she mistreated me." And I uh, heard that story. In fact, she repeated that story several times during the initial intake. And I was like, "Well, okay, that's." You know, I can see that's an important story. We need to get other information today. But she kept talking about it, and I said, "Tell me something. Have you ever counted the number of times you tell yourself that story in the course of a day?" And she kind of leaned forward. I remember she put her her head on her her chin in her hand, like she was thinking, uh, like she'd gone out of a trance, which I think Mm -hmm. she had. And Mm -hmm. she said, "You know, it's funny you ask me that. Uh, I have tried to count how many times I tell that story, but I always lose track." But I do know," she said. "I do know when I don't tell that story, I'm a lot happier.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. So that was the clutter. That was, in fact, it was like a car whose wheels are spinning. It was kept digging a deeper and deeper rut. Right. And so part of, so part of my work with her was to help her expand out from that story, and to start looking for stories where she could look at her strengths. And maybe that's one idea we could talk a little bit about. Absolutely
1: get back from after the break we're going to talk about the different potential uh, perspectives right so emotional clutter when we unpack it like you talk about in your book really is about uh, change in perspective when we get back right after these messages we'll be back right here on Marion Live more with Donald Altman clearing emotional clutter together back into
4: I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect.
0: Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event.
4: Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love.
0: Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship.
4: Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No More Love Life Drama for us.
1: Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Live and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. .com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Marianne Live. I'm Marianne Camarado. Joining us today, author and psychotherapist Donald Altman. He's written a book for us, Clearing Emotional Clutter. For all you mindfulness folks and you neuroscience geeks and you human potential lovers, I mean, you are so in the right place. We're talking about what happens when we start spinning a narrative, that story that you don't even want to hear anymore, that you can't get your mind to stop telling for some reason, you are in the territory of emotional clutter, says Donald. And how do we navigate away from that? How do we uh, take charge of those thoughts You're using the tools that, Donald, you shared with us earlier in the program? Um, so let's, let's carry on and, and sort of unpack more of this emotional clutter so we can give context for folks as we move forward. Continue to give context.
2: Okay, so you know, well, one of the things that I, as I was telling that last story about that woman who had gotten stuck in this one particular story, is that we need to learn how to broaden out our attention, and, um, and that's, um, of course, a mindfulness ability that we have. We can either focus in or we can broaden out attention, and um, one tool that I refer to in the book, in fact, I have a chapter on what I call inner Facebooking, and uh, so inner Facebooking is actually a skill. You could think about you know, on Facebook how you're putting up all these posts and think about how those posts affect how you feel or when you read other people's posts. But in our minds, we are putting up thousands of posts every day, wow. right? <laughs> and so what I'm suggesting here is that we become more aware of our inner Facebooking and uh, start to just notice those thoughts in a more uh, neutral, impartial way so you're not necessarily grabbing on or identifying with them because they can pull you along. I think of thoughts almost like a train of thoughts, and there's a metaphor that I like to use. You know, if you step on, uh, let's say you have a train of anxious thoughts. If you step on that train, I like to ask, uh, and I work with clients, I say, well, where does that train take you? They'll, t- they'll say, you know, it takes me to Panicsville. <laughs> <or> <laughs> it anxiety yeah. yeah. land, <laughs> right? But the thing is that by, when you notice the thought. You're actually stepping off the train and getting back on the platform. You're not being carried along. You're just observing, oh, there's that anxious thought again. You know, I, had, I worked with a gentleman who had anxiety attacks every day. What happened is his father died at a very young age, and so he actually had literally kind of trained his brain to hyper-focus on even the tiniest little bodily sensations. So maybe he was driving to work and he noticed his hands were a little wet on the, on the steering wheel. And if you have an intrusive thought, oh, my God, this must be the heart attack I'm having. And then he would escalate up into a uh, panic attack right on the freeway and have to drive off to the side of the freeway, and he was having these every day. So uh, rather than have him avoid uh, the body sensations, I had him get into his body more and notice the body has thousands of sensations every day, but the sensations and the thoughts are two different things. Sometimes we confuse the two. So mm-hmm. we think the thought is what's happening also, is 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 actually also in the body. But he was able to start to notice thought was um, a catastrophizing thought, it had nothing really to do with the sensation, but he was imposing it. And eventually he got to the point where he would have the thought and he would just notice it and say, oh, hello again, old friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he didn't give it any power, he wasn't resisting, he wasn't fighting with it. And I think it's when we put that energy into fighting with our thoughts. that
1: talk about suffering what about so let's continue with that scenario so let's say you make that differentiation that distinction there's that thought again but you've already set off a bunch of chemicals in your body yeah right so do we have to change what we change what we make mean the experience we're having in the body for example he had to not just say hello to that thought but he might have had a bunch of adrenaline in his body right now, let's say you set right. off the adrenaline. He had to now tell himself a new story, which we're going to talk about, right, which is, oh, that's what's happening in my body. It doesn't mean I'm having a heart attack. It yeah. means that I have a bunch of adrenaline in my body, and it might take a few minutes to run through it. I might feel tightness and uncomfort, right? So you have to yeah. kind of really steer away from the old story and make a whole new one, yeah?
2: Right, and, the more, and actually that's a good point. So the more that you start, the more easily you start to notice those thoughts, uh, the less and less they're going to react on your body.
3: Mm-hmm. Great. Right? Yeah.
2: And so over time, you'll start, to, you'll start to notice those thoughts, even when they first come in. I call them mind whispers, mm-hmm. the very subtle thoughts that come in. And if we're not careful, if you don't do this practice, I mean, they can become like, uh, like robotic commands mm-hmm. and you just automatically follow mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So what's important is to kind of start to listen to those mind whispers and say, oh, there's an, I caught you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and every time you call, it has less force. Mm-hmm. And also, like you, as you said, that new story is important. So even telling yourself, let's say you're under a lot of stress, and you could be having a lot of thought, you could also reframe the stress and say, you know what? Um, uh, this stress is uh, maybe it's helping me learn to overcome a new obstacle in my life. So you kind of see it as a challenge. And even that could help you. So you could even say, you know, so even this uh, adrenaline, this is energy to help me overcome this new challenge. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, beautiful re-
1: yeah. reframe.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm going to jump in here, Donald, and, and ask you to make some distinctions about types of mind clutter. We've talked, oh, okay. about, we've talked about a recurrent story in, in this instance that sounded like a fairly traumatic event for this man and it grew into a debilitating um, uh, anxiety disorder, it sounds like, right? Then there's all different kinds of trauma that can do this, that can make us actually go offline, like you said. We get on that train four, five, ten times a day, and this practice can help address that. What are some other categories of uh, clutter uh, on that spectrum that people might be able to identify with?
2: Well, um, family clutter. Of course, um, uh, even we can learn how to think in different ways depending on our family. Uh, um, I remember a man who came in to see me, and he had lost his job, and he had all of these thoughts about why he couldn't move forward in his life. And I said, you know, that's really. I said, you have a lot of good reasons why you can't move forward after losing your job. You know, he said, I, I. Uh, I'm uh, not good on the computer. I don't interview well. I lost my job, so I'm kind of a loser already. I lost my own business. I lost his business, and so I had him write down his top ten list of reasons why he couldn't move forward. Hmm. And he came back, and I said, "So tell me about your top ten list." And he pulled out this yellow sheet of paper, and and and, and he said, "Well, you know what?" He said, "Before I read this to you, I have to tell you something happened when I looked at my list." I said, "What was that?" He said, "I looked at this, and I and, and he said, I realized this is how my mother thinks." Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> he said, I don't want he said, I don't want to think like that anymore. <laughs> so nice. he had learned that he'd received clutter even in the form of how of his family thinking style of how they would approach problems and how they were you know, it was kind of a pessimism and a negativity there. And he had adopted that without thinking. I mean we all do, right? We grew up in this mm-hmm. milieu and uh, so he just adopted. But now, once he was aware of it, that's why I had him write it down because it was kind of out of his head.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and 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 so he was. Well, I never had a more motivated uh, client. <laughs>
1: it's very exciting yeah. because, like you said. I used to say to myself just because just because my mind said something doesn't mean it's true Marianne and that was like a big wake up call for me. That,
2: Cuz that's a great thing for somebody to write a little note card say of uh, you know my thoughts are not necessarily facts. Yeah, right? It's exactly. <laughs> carrying around with you yeah <laughs>
1: Cuz they aren't but yet they're they seem so authoritarian and then so matter of fact and, and oftentimes we don't examine them. So you're inviting us to really examine. Wait a minute. I've heard this like your first client I've heard this story a bunch of times, and it doesn't make me feel good. And in this scenario, these thoughts were inherited, right? They were—they're sort of, uh, right. you know, in, in the climate of my family. So, and examining, taking time, pausing, like you invited us to do, we get to take a look, look under the hood, see what's in there, and oh, yeah. and then uh, and then make some different choices. So essentially, what are we actually doing? In Neuroscience. I know you have terminology for that.
2: So in neuroscience, what, this is called self-directed neuroplasticity, and that uh, and that is a term that was coined by Jeffrey Schwartz. He worked with people who were uh, OCD, and he found he used a for part a mindfulness method to rewire around this this faulty OCD circuit in the brain that kept sending out the signal that something was wrong. And so you're actually rewiring the brain, and you're doing it self-directed because you're deciding to observe the thoughts and, um, as you were saying, to just, uh, you know, uh, look within. Yeah. And, and, and so just that process of deciding to make that shift of looking, you're rewiring the brain.
1: Beautiful. Neuroscience, neuroplasticity, mindfulness. We're getting all the good stuff today. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. More with Donald Altman right here on Marianne Live when we return.
4: I don't want to date anymore.
0: What? Did
4: you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame
0: you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event.
4: Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love.
0: Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship.
4: Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now.
0: We've ordered No No More More Love Love Life Drama for Us. Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET, they've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 on car insurance? Well, this makes sense, since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating
2: talk. net. Hey, everybody.
1: We're, we're so glad you're here. There's a lot going on on the planet right now. We've got family issues. It's the holidays. People have trauma, debilitating, uh, you know, panic disorders, emotional disorders. You know, a lot of this... When it, to the extent that we can get in our minds and make some choices, pause, really look at what we're doing, and, and self-directed neuroplasticity. Wow, there is a term that will change your life. Well, I'm going to tell you Donald Altman is with us, and he's going to help us uh, rewire our brains moving forward. We're, we're unpacking the different kinds of emotional clutter, and then we're going to get into uh, in the next segment. How to really get down in some of the nitty-gritty here, but some of the other categories I think are important are sort of the, the, what you call an, you know, the adversity. Like right now, a lot of us, whatever's happening politically, this is really, people are getting a, stuck here, right? These recurrent thoughts, and oh my God, the catastrophizing, what's going to happen when this president didn't get it or this one didn't, da-da-da-da, you know, c- current uh, uh, adversity, and then pain from the past. Well, that seems like you know. Really, we just can't get past something. Let's talk about these two areas of clutter.
2: Well, um, a- a- adversity really is very much uh, part of life, isn't it? I mean, you can try to uh, escape it or pretend it's not there, but uh, we can grow from it. And I think adversity also points out very something very important that we can grow in compassion.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think compassion is one of the ways to overcome any adversity, really, and it's self-compassion especially. Is, you know the word compassion means to be with suffering. And so uh, recognizing your own suffering in the moment actually unties, kind of I think of it as untying that karmic knot, untying past suffering. So let's say I'm on the freeway, for example, and I have a history of getting angry, uh, you know, when somebody pulls in front of me, and I'm ready to make an unkind gesture <laughs> at them, for example, right?
3: <laughs> but in that
2: moment, and I've done that in the past, <laughs> I have to uh, sadly little admit. little bird. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and yet uh, what I do now is I notice the, uh, that anger, and um, by observing it in the moment, I'm not in the grip of it anymore. Now the anger becomes the object of my attention, and I actually untie that knot of anger, and I'll even ask myself, where did, this, where did this originate from? When did it start? When did this kind of anger while I was driving, what, what was the root of this? And it's amazing when I ask that question, and it's not that you're always going to get an answer. Many times you just won't get an answer, but at least you're, you're questioning and you're digging a little deeper.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but you, in that moment, you've stopped the suffering,
3: mm-hmm. right? Yes. And you may
2: even have a little compassion for it. Who knows what that person mm-hmm. uh, in front of you is going through? I also like to, in that moment, repeat the uh, loving-kindness, a blessing for them. May they be well, happy, safe, and peaceful. Then I say it for myself, too. Yes, exactly. Because,
1: you know, the Buddha said, or all of the Buddhas said, you know, suffering is a resistance to the way things are. I'm paraphrasing. We we just don't want what's happening to be happening. Hmm. This adversity, and and we suffer because we can't get off it. So you're inviting us to move off it, at least look at it. We don't
2: have to necessarily do
1: anything about it yet, but at least we get
2: that pause, right? So. And when you stop resisting it, and and, uh, remember the time I I had a full day of clients coming in to see me. I wasn't feeling so centered and and present, and so I had a cancellation. I thought, I'll walk down. There was a river about four blocks from my office. I walked down there. I thought, I'll do a nice walking meditation. I'll get back centered again. And I started walking, and it was cold that day, and the cold Portland air was blowing on me. and And I had a very quick thought, oh, this isn't very pleasant, but I continued to walk. And then there were some kids in a playground nearby, and they were playing, having fun. But my filter got in the way and said, oh, those kids are, are ruining my perfect walking meditation. <laughs> How dare they, right? <laughs> and so, uh, a, a quick, another one of those mind whispers came by and I said, oh, go back to the office. It's warmer, quieter there. You'll have a better meditation. And I, I started to turn just like that robot, but then I caught the thought. And then, Ann, I started to laugh and I go, oh, so this moment isn't good enough. <laughs> Right. I'm gonna reject it for somewhere else. And so I stayed and I let in the cold air, I let in the sounds of the kids. I was present within it. Yeah. And, and and it was an amazing, just a beautiful uh centering walking meditation.
1: Absolutely. That, and this is master work, folks. I mean, I don't know about you but sometimes pulling my mind out of a nosedive, it's like trying to pull a plane out of a nosedive. I mean, these mm-hmm. thoughts are relentless, That's and they're it. convincing, and they have oh, rationale, yeah. and yes, but and he but and she but. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know what? We get it. Look at this is no easy thing to do. That's why it's called a practice, right? We we get yeah. to. I oftentimes, and and you talk about certain parts of this uh, in, in my life. I'll I'll think of folks like Viktor Frankl. Mm. Or Rihin Eisler, or people that have just faced adversity that is just beyond belief, some of our veterans, some of our you know people surviving these awful things, and I think, and one of my girlfriends who died in my arms of breast cancer, I think they give me courage, you know whatever we need to do, and you talk about we're going to talk about this in a bit, really planting those partnership seeds, we don't have to do this alone, yeah. No. Right? We don't have to do no, this alone. No, we don't.
2: We don't. That, that's one of the beautiful things.
1: Yeah, even if it's in spots or whatever. So, so let's, not whatever in, in the dismissive, dismissive sense, but let's take on that note, talk about pain from the past. Because this is where we, you know, a lot of trauma experts even say, you know, defenses are defending something. You know, we don't want to take away some of our coping mechanisms when we're not ready to deal with some of the emotional wounds let's make the distinction here between a real wound and clutter because people need to know the difference okay we're not going to think our way out of everything
2: right right and so yeah uh, you know a a long-held trauma or something is going to you know you're going to have to process that and and uh, maybe understand uh, the role that had in your life in a deeper way Um, you know a lot of the uh, old clutter like you know getting angry while you're driving your car or being upset with uh, people in the workplace right we've all experienced that or you know, that difficult person in your life everybody has at least one I'm convinced yeah. right um, and and so those kinds of things affect us our family clutter things that happen in our childhood that are I mean not traumatic things but all that stuff that happened our history and I believe it even goes back ancestrally so that even um uh, in families, uh, you might find that certain ways of behavior I'm, I'm, I'm certain of it actually go back um, who knows hundreds, thousands of years
3: yeah, sure. and so
2: uh, you know we that's another reason why it's very important to just have compassion uh, for yourself because you have that long history, but it doesn't mean that you can't rewire again, rewire the brain. and I recommend I actually talk about getting a new uh, uh, brain, Download, <laughs> right? A reboot. Or, yeah, a reboot of the brain. <laughs> yeah. uh, by by uh, seeking out people who uh, have already had that uh, new brain download, yes. where they are uh, secure and relational and and content uh, with their lives in a lot of ways. And you seek those people out. It's very important because if, you know if you're seeking out the people who, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that we, you know, we're going to have people in our lives who have difficulties, and that's okay, too. We're not going to abandon those people or cut them out because uh, they complain or whatever. But we also, at the same time, we do need to seek out people who are on a, on a, on a, on a path that is a positive path in life, to yeah. have those people as supportive friends.
1: Well, and, you know, if it's true in the brain at the personal level, neurons that fire together, wire together, why not in clusters of folks, of people, right? People that, oh, yeah. you know, being on a path of awakening it reminds me of the 100th monkey phenomenon for some of you sort of science geeks out our there, brain, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, our brain's going kind to of tune with another person. We have these mirror neurons and we right. have all these things happening. That yeah. So it's important to allow ourselves to actually be around those kinds of people.
1: When we come back from the break, we're going to actually uh, give some examples, uh, Donald is, on clearing out some of this emotional clutter. Uh, The last part of his book, he he talks about some of the finer points of of using these skills and uh, addressing some of these clusters, as he calls them, of emotional clutter. We get back right after these messages, clearing emotional clutter. That's what we're talking about with author Donald Altman right here on Marion Live. Back in just a minute. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Live and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com.
0: HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Donald Altman is joining us on Marion Live. Clearing Emotional Clutter is the title of his new book. So where do we go from here, Donald? We've got some skills. We've got some context in terms of the type of clutter we might be experiencing. Um, let's, let's give us some examples about how we can really refine uh, our inquiry and, and using your tools here.
2: Okay. Well, uh, a couple ideas here. One is for, of course, relationships. We want to build st- strong relationships in our lives, and so I, I talk about planting the seeds of trust, acceptance, and empathy. And so you can think of, you know, without trust, really, there, you know, what what is there? You need that to feel safe and to feel connected to others. And and so you can plant seeds of trust by, you know, if you're with somebody and you just have a, a gut feeling that this is not. The person you want to be with, or you know, I think it's important to listen to those gut feelings. Uh, in fact, interesting, the gut brain and the gut and the um, and the cerebral cortex actually develop out of the same clump of fetal tissue.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's important to listen not just to the, the big brain on, in the head, but to the to your gut, and and then don't don't try to rush trust Take your time with it, and. Um, um, that idea of you know earning trust, I think, makes a lot of a lot of sense.
1: That's a big one. Love that.
2: Yeah. So the other idea here is to um, plant seeds of acceptance, um, and, and this is really important. Uh, just knowing that everybody has some kind of blind spot, everybody has some kind of uh, frailty, and to uh, give your give those in your life who you love some uh, uh, a little leeway, so to speak, right? Not to be so perfectionistic when it comes to your expectations of them, but noticing that they, just like all of us, right, have our frailties. And so then also the other important thing is here is to be supportive. And in um, the Buddhist tradition, this is called sympathy of joy. Mudita is what it's called. And sympathy of joy means to be happy for uh, the people in your life, even if they're doing something that isn't your choice. Mm -hmm. So maybe a parent. Uh, sees that uh you know the the path their child is on is not what they would prefer, but they could still be happy mm-hmm. and supportive of that child you know or of that person and the last one is seeds of empathy and so empathy is really uh really a key way to engage with somebody emotionally, not to enrage <laughs> right mm-hmm. and so using empathy to engage is an important tool for just understanding uh where somebody else is at mm-hmm. and um and really, that you know, that cliché of getting in somebody else's shoes is, a very, is, is powerful, and because it's a cliché, I mean, there is a truth in it, isn't there,
3: mm-hmm.
2: that how can we um, really start to understand somebody at a deeper level and just appreciate them for who they are. So I think these are three important seeds in relationships that can help remove clutter. That might be getting in our way.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, I want to mention one other thing. I think is really important is um, you know I have a whole a section in the book. Where you talked about tools, a whole section in the book in the book about fidelity to the moment mm-hmm. and fidelity to the moment, which means being faithful to whatever it is that you're doing right now. So faith, you know, I, I love what you did in the beginning of the show. You talked about the breath. So this idea of being faithful to this breath, right? Not taking it for granted, but just even a handful of breaths throughout the day, just being present with those, being faithful to oneself, to the body. You know, not getting stuck up in the head. And, and, and you know, we're a very mental culture. So I think it's important for us to also just notice what's happening in the body, moment by moment. Uh, being faithful, uh, you know, when to walking. When we're walking, just walk, <laughs> right? Instead of being off. Oops, oops! Off a thousand miles into the future, thinking about um, something else and not being where your body is, and of course that's where accidents happen when you're you know, when you're off somewhere else.
1: It just occurs to me that the mindfulness that you're inviting us into is—you know—they say that we have three minds. Some people say you mentioned the belly, you mentioned the cerebral cortex, but the thinking mind, and the heart mind.
3: Mm. You know, this
1: is a, a great invitation, a wonderful reframe that. We're not trying to split in spiritual bypass, which is a very popular thing to do, right? we are inviting us to come into the body to contemplate. This is like a contemplative practice that you're inviting us to. Is that, is that accurate?
2: Oh, uh, Absolutely so, yeah. Oh,
1: gorgeous. All right, we are coming up to the top of the hour. What a treat to have you with us. Your, your tools and skills in your book is beautiful.
2: Uh, oh, thank you. What
1: do you want to leave us with today, Donald?
2: Well, I'd like to leave everybody with the idea of hope. That uh, you can uh, achieve the sense of peace and contentment in your life, no matter where you're at, and, um, and 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 kindness for yourself. Always have kindness for yourself. And so I go back to that, a loving kindness blessing, and my teacher Uthi Lananda I found out that uh, that was the favorite thing he loved to teach, was loving kindness. So uh, you know, and it's the holiday season, especially to have a warm heart, a more tender heart. And so may I be. Uh, safe happy healthy and peaceful and may all those in my life be safe happy healthy and peaceful and just to allow yourself to go to that place every uh, day can be very powerful wishing well for others
1: would you expand on that just slightly to teaching us that little
2: meditation before we go oh, to break okay yeah and so this little meditation is a, is a loving kindness practice and it's a way of uh, uh, and, it's, and, it's, and it's a non-discriminating kind of love for all beings. So you can send it first to yourself. And actually, you begin with forgiveness. You might even just say forgiveness for all those who may have harmed me, for anybody I may have harmed intentionally, even for times that may have intentionally or unintentionally harmed myself. And then after forgiveness, just send the inner blessing of may I be safe, happy, healthy, and peaceful. You just repeat that. You could even see yourself as a little child who who was worthy of that, if you have a hard time seeing it as an adult, saying that maybe you feel you don't deserve that. But you really do, and so allow that to come into all the cells of your body, and even think about people in your life who are benefactors who would have wished this blessing for you. May I be well, happy, healthy, and peaceful. And Then you can extend it to others. In your life and you actually visualize these people mm-hmm. and then you can ex- people you know your family even people who are uh, who are uh, maybe neutral persons in your life you don't know them that well and maybe even people who are unfriendly <laughs> Calendly, and then ex- yeah, yeah and then extend it to everybody every living mm-hmm. being
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it's just a powerful way a, a very transformative way of overcoming clutter
1: indeed gorgeous hey we want folks to know where to reach you because workshops and all kinds of things donald altman what is your website address
2: yeah the website is mindfulpractices.com mm-hmm. mindfulpractices that's plural.com and i have a newsletter the mindful living newsletter you can s- subscribe for that on the home page of my website and i have mm-hmm. new reflections and practices on that uh, on that newsletter
1: gorgeous well we're so glad you got to be with us today uh, Oh, it was a
2: pleasure, Marianne.
1: Thank you. And we hope you come back and join us again.
2: I'd love to. Thanks. All right,
1: everybody sit tight. We'll be back for our wrap right here on Marianne Live. Thanks again Donald Altman, Clearing Emotional Clutter. We're doing it together. We'll be right back right after these messages.
4: I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up
0: again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event.
4: Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love.
0: Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship.
4: Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No No More more Love Life Drama drama for us.
0: MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarano is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at marianlive.com. Find out about CORE Certification, Certificate of Responsible Relationships, wwwmarianlivecom CORE Certification, learning tools to attract, build, and sustain great relationships. Also, sign up for Marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the Northern California area, www.mariannelive.com. Hey,
1: everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We're so glad that you made it. Um, Did I mention that we've got our divination deck app on itunes if you didn't know check it out it's uh, find true love is the way you find it 99 cents and you can have access to helping you deepen attract great healthy fulfilling sustainable relationship using an inquiry deck and find out about the workshops and classes i've got coming up check our website out com. and please come back and join us next week Uh, eric while robinstein is in the house talking about waging inner peace right here on Mary Ann Live. Hey, look, last part of your practice. Go out and do something good for somebody. Don't let them know you did it. that will make three bits to your uh, practice. I'm glad we get to do that together here on Mary Ann Live. And we will see you next time, everybody. I wish you every blessing until then. Thanks again to our guest today, Donald Altman. See you next time.